Hello, everybody, and welcome to Double Take. Double Take. With Rick and Lori. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look as cool as you think you do when you do sure that. I'm sure I do look just <laughs> as cool as I think I do. I'm not sure. Besides, we're talking about part two about passive men, and so that didn't look very passive. (laughs) (laughs) And we are brought to you by... Oneness Ministries and the Stream Grace Network. That's right. Right. And you can find out more about us at oneness-ministries.org. And And streamgrace.com. And should you decide you like this, Mm -hmm. hit the like button. Mm Mm-hmm. Go to our website and maybe you could support us. Mm-hmm. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to subscribe. Okay, Mr. Fry, what you got? Well, last week we talked about sort of my story as a passive man from a book I wrote in 2015 called Double Sold, Exploring Passivity in Men. Which is available on Amazon.com. Yep. And up here at the office. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I thought this week we would explore... A little bit about men. I've only got about three guys, three or four guys, men of the Bible that we may think of as passive. Okay? Are you with me? (laughs) What, are you passive? (laughs) Yes, we talked about this. Is is this okay? (laughs) It's okay. No, I think it's a very interesting um, direction that that you took about these guys. Let me say this. These are my thoughts. Yeah. As I was writing this, I imagined these men um, in ways that may be a little different than what you think. So don't start don't start beating us up on Facebook saying that we are not consistent with what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. You would just remember, you know, it's just like on The Chosen, yeah. which we love, by the way, where they created backstory mm-hmm. that seemed plausible. Mm-hmm. We're not replacing scripture. We are not saying Rewriting it's... Scripture. No, we're not saying that things are there that aren't. We're just looking at what's possible. Uh-huh. And what... what And I base this on what I think I've heard. Right. Yep. And, you know, God's really good with us asking questions mm-hmm. and thinking outside the box looking at things from different perspectives yes so so we that's do. what we're doing mm-hmm. so chill yeah <laughs> you would put it on facebook that's fine but i'm gonna answer you yeah just so you know so the first man i looked at was adam <laughs> since he was hey, the first, first man, man. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm gonna read this that was sort of a double entendre yeah i'm gonna read this so bear with me and then we're then we'll discuss it okay sure I want to start with Adam because it seems like such an easy target as a man who was passive. But as I study Genesis 3, I see a man whom Jehovah God formed out of the dust from the ground, blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and caused man to become a living soul. Um, I can only interpret this passage one way. God created Adam and he was perfect. As far as I can tell, there were only two perfect men in the Bible. Adam, um, Adam, the created, and Jesus, the creator. Then we read Genesis 3, 6. And she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And we were all horrified. (laughs) Said, oh my gosh. The jerk was standing right there with her, listening to the serpent, and did nothing. Sure looks that way. So let's examine this. Okay. Adam, 
the perfect created man, and Eve, whom Adam called bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, had no concept of bad, nor were they capable of understanding the difference between um, right and wrong. They were innocent. They were innocent. Um, it's absolutely clear to me that Adam and Eve could not make this dis- distinction. Mm. that this is wrong, this mm. is right, we mm. should do this, we shouldn't do this. The concepts of lying and being lied to were completely foreign to the both of them until after they ate what God had forbidden them to eat. And I use the word them. Actually, he didn't forbid Eve to eat from it. He forbid, forbade. He said no. He said, Adam, you don't eat it. Yeah, he, he told Adam. Yes. But Eve heard it from... Satan. Yeah, and he didn't hear it from, she didn't hear it from God. Right. Which, okay. And that's all, you know, that's what, what we're dealing with here is why Adam stood there and let her do it. Mm-hmm. Um, then eyes of the both were open, Genesis 3, 7. And yet, this is the origin of such knowledge just as it is the origin of sin. It is the origin of the ability mm. to distinguish between right or wrong. Mm-hmm. As much as it, is, as it is the origin of sin, it seems they had no concept, it did not comprehend what they were doing was wrong, and we have to realize they couldn't make the connection that obeying God would have been bad or good. I don't think they could have made a moral choice, regardless of the choice. They had a perspective that was missing any sort of moral, moral principles. The concept did not exist for them. Adam was not the first passive man. And he has been accused of being that on many occasions. He was not passive. He made a poor choice. Mm. And the consequences were devastating and tragically passed it down to all mankind. Mm-hmm. I had a thought, and now I'm trying to... Um, I need to see your notes. Keep talking. Well, I, I well, think, I'm looking for this. I think it's, I, I think it's a misconception to mm-hmm. say that Adam was passive. And mm-hmm. every time you hear church brokers mm-hmm. or church leaders cr- yell out to men, cry out to men, don't be Ad- don't be like Adam. Mm-hmm. Protect your wife. Do the things you need to do to keep her from sinning. That is, I can't keep you from sinning. No. I can't keep you from making just choices. Whether they're bad or good. They're not, it's not your responsibility it's either. It's not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. You are responsible for your relationship to God. Mm-hmm. I want to support that. I want to support you in making choices that seem right or seem reasonable or seem appropriate. But I, I don't want to, and I don't need that kind of control over you. Mm-hmm. Nor do I want you to control me in that way. Right. So, to say that Adam was passive, I think, is incorrect. I think Adam was innocent. I think they. I think they both were. I think. I don't think they understood the ramifications. I don't think they could. I mean, if if they were, I mean, they had been. We don't know how long they'd been in existence when all of this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the whole reason God didn't want them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because like you said, they didn't know the difference between good and evil. Well, I know what I was going to say. There's a, a verse, and I never can remember where it is, but it talks about 
being in Christ means not having a sin consciousness. Right. That's because the only okay, because the only way you're innocent is if there's no law to break. Right. And if you're if you are a new creation, you're dead to the law, then then there is no sin if you want to go there. Right. I mean, yeah, it still exists, but it doesn't exist for you. Well, so they were in a state of they didn't know. Yeah. They didn't know. Now, uh, there God, was no there was no knowledge of right and wrong at the we time. We admit that God told Adam, "Don't eat of he that did. fruit." He did. And Adam said, "Okay, I can, I can just hear him." Okay. <laughs> that sounds like every man. Good job. <laughs> what? Okay. And then, and, and then she eats it. She she is deceived. Mm-hmm. I don't think she had any idea what that meant. No. And the the way he deceived them is that God is not enough. Yeah. He's withholding from you. Yeah. Yeah. You can eat this, and she could. Mm-hmm. I don't think there would have been consequences had. Just if she had just eaten, nothing it. changed until Adam took yeah, a bite. Right, right, right. But you know what? Remember what Pastor Steve Eden used to say about that? What? That um, a man will do anything that his wife tells him to do if she's naked. That is the <laughs> truth. <laughs> okay, uh, but then they also you know, always say that in maybe in that moment he decided that he would rather be with her. But you see, that's that's key. They didn't mm. know they were naked. No, they didn't. Okay, it was just a joke. It was yeah. Pastor Steve. <laughs> they didn't. They had no concept. No, of they that. didn't. Yeah. Not not till they ate. Not till they ate. Mm-hmm. Not till they were in a position where they now make judgments. Mm-hmm. That is the problem with mm-hmm. judging. Yeah. Well, there's a book called How to Stop the Pain, uh-huh. which is all about judgment mm-hmm. is what causes pain. Yes. Which is you should write that one down too. But anyway, go ahead. No, finish your thought. No, no, the, that's it. The, I mean, everything changed when when knowledge of good and evil came in. Yeah. And they were, I think they were more innocent like young children than they were, Yes. you know, I'm going to defy God. It was like, well, this sounds good. And the, and the huh. you know, the devil, uh, the serpent didn't look like we think. He was, it was, pro- it was beautiful. Yeah, he was probably beautiful and, yeah. and very attractive and very convincing. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, okay, well, God they, didn't, right. you know, well, so if Adam was passive, so was she. Are you yeah. keep doing that? <laughs> what did she I'm sound so like? I'm so good at it. <laughs> mm. No. Anyway. Um, I, and so Adam wasn't passive. We've right. decided. Yeah. We don't think I don't so. Think, I don't think he was passive. I don't okay. think he just stood there and go, uh, should, I should try to stop her if I'm doing that. But she'll well, get if there's mad no, at me. <laughs> But if there's no concept of good and evil, what was he weighing it against? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> you know, was he was he saying, well, the but it would be bad because she'd be mad. Well, he didn't. How would he know that? Yeah. What is mad? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. So I do not think Adam was passive. Mm-mm. I do not think. Um, <laughs> I almost think it was rigged. You know, I almost think. Oh, I there's another be, story. Yeah, I have to be careful with that, but. How would we know the grace and mercy and loving kindness of God did we not need it yeah. if there was no fall? Yep. That's another podcast. Another you should podcast. be keeping notes. I'm not going to. Okay. We'll, we'll remember it. Sure we will. So let's move on to the next guy. Yeah? Our favorite guy to hate. Is he our favorite guy to hate? One of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lot. I don't hate him. Lot. I don't even know him. And the story about Lot, I mean, and there, there's... We need to understand that when God told Teron 
to move from Ur to the Chaldeans. He told him to take his two sons, and I can't, only one of them was Abram. I can't remember the other guy's name, but the other guy's son was Lot. Okay. And so Abram had his I can see wife. you're prepared. Yeah. I don't know the other guy's name, well, but his, <laughs> I can his find kid it. was Lot. I can find it. Yeah. So there was a, a patriarchy there that was important for us to understand because it seems like Lot was a user. Mm. He just, everything, he just used his his uncle to, to get gain wealth, which he did gain wealth. He used his uncle to take the best land, which he did take the best land. But he was a successful businessman. Well, isn't this how things worked in that culture anyway? Yes, yes. That it was, was normal for it the was culture. Normal. It was expected for him to stay in his father's house until he could develop, until he had the means to have his own house mm-hmm. and his own wife. Mm-hmm. And he was expected to stay with Abraham until Abraham and him decided that Lot was capable of doing it on his own. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was, I'm just going to sleep in my uncle's basement mm-hmm. until he kicks me out. Okay. Yeah. Which is a Western mindset. You have to yeah. remember that they did not live in the U.S. of A. They did not. And no. it was a totally different culture. Yeah. And we tend to forget that as we read scripture. Yeah. So we're going to move forward Okay. to... One of the things that's important about Lot is that he was sitting in the city gate Mm. in the evening, which means he was a man of position, which he was a man of of prominence for him to be able to sit there because the city gate was where governmental things happened. And these two angels came, or these two men Mm. came into the city, and they were going to spend the night, and they were going to sleep on the City Square or City something, Square, right? City Square, yeah, like a fountain or something. And You're going to sleep on a fountain? Well, yeah, I, oh. I don't know. Stop. <laughs> they I'm were just gonna, listening. They were going to sleep in a place that would have been dangerous for them. Gotcha. And Lot said, no, you can't do that. I'll take you to my house. Okay. So this is, that's what he did. He said, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all people from every quarter, and they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we may have relations with them. Mm-hmm. But Lot went out and said, But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with men. Please let me bring them out to you. And do what do to them whatever you like, only do nothing to these men inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. Huge last sentence. Mm-hmm. And Once again, this is not the United States of America. Right. This is not the West. So if this happened in my city and I did not call the police or child protective services and reported I would be put in jail with Lot. That's the difference in the cultures. Mm-hmm. This act is unconscionable. It is outrageous to me to think that any father would offer his daughters in this matter. But when we read the last part of this verse, hey, we get some insight. Do nothing to these men inasmuch as they are under my, under the shelter of my roof. This is the game changer. In our Western culture, we are dictated by ethics, forever trying to determine if things are right or wrong, good or evil. In that culture, it was about honor. Still is. What is Honor is a big thing in the Middle East still, yeah. It is about my honor, you, and to the point that if you um, 
mess with my honor, you will die. Mm. A daughter, he would, you know, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't screw with the family honor. So not too long ago, before, before I watched an interview with Navy SEAL Marcus Luttrell, mm -hmm. um, who wrote the book Lone Survivor, Survivor, and the Afghani Mohammed Gulab, who protected Luttrell from the Taliban. Um, because they came and they demanded that they give him up. Yeah, he was the lone survivor of a, a, uh, of a special uh, Navy SEAL group. Yes, yeah. and His team. Navy yes, Seal team. and he was injured. The rest of them had all been killed. Yeah. Is that Marcus calling you right he, now? He wants credit. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then this Afghan gentleman took him in. Took him in. And at, it was healing him and taking care of him. Right. Right. The Taliban demanded that Latrell be turned over to them, and Galeb, I hope I'm saying his name right, refused, saying to the Taliban fighter, this is my culture. He, Marcus, is in my house under my roof. I cannot turn him over to you. Muhammad Gulab used the term Pashtunwali which is a 2,000-year-old code of honor where a, man family, where a man's family takes responsibility of protecting an individual at all costs. This ancient code has many various variations, but they all were viewed in the same way. In a culture with the greatest philosophical framework of shame versus honor, Lot was honor-bound to protect these men from these two individuals under the shelter of his roof at all cost, even with his own life and the lives of his two daughters. Which the whole family would understand when yes. they took these people in. That Be was understood. Because he was honor bound, those daughters knew that they had to sacrifice themselves. Mm. Not only is Lot not passive, mm. he is a righteous man. Mm. And that changed that changed my whole perspective of who this guy was. Mm -hmm. Well, it certainly helps us understand the story a little bit better yeah. and understanding the it, culture. Yeah, it was not about... I mean, it's still horrendous to yeah, us. It but is still horrendous. Mm -hmm. It is unconscionable to mm -hmm. us because we are not ruled by our honor. Mm -hmm. So the next time you beat up on Lot for giving up his daughter, understand mm -hmm. that he was honor-bound to do that. And, he, and they all knew that. Yes. That was a decision, the choice they all made. Yes. By bringing them in. Yes. Hmm. Any comments about that? Um, that's, I mean, it's still hard to swallow, mm -hmm. but at least it makes more sense. Yes. Because, you know, it is, well, it's, it's, gee, it's something that we should do with the entire Bible is that, I don't know, go back to the culture, to the people that were writing it and who it was written to and all of that stuff. Context is kind of important. Yes, context is kind of important. And, I had a discussion with a very good friend yesterday about um, the Bible is absolutely right about absolutely everything. I don't think, I, I think the Bible is, is absolutely right. Read your Bible, study your Bible, it's very, very important. But the point of Scripture is to point us to Christ. Mm -hmm not to give us guidelines to live by life through. That's the Holy Spirit's job. 
The Holy Spirit is the one teaching us mm-hmm. about who we are, why we are, and what God has done for us. Mm-hmm. And it all happened because of the cross. And just like as an Andrew Farlett says, sometimes you're reading somebody else's mail. Yes. Not everything is written to you. Right. Right. Yep. Anyway, that's a, that's a rabbit trail. Okay, yeah. back so, to Lot. So this has completely changed my attitude about the man Lot. Mm-hmm. He was not passive. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 So the next guy mm-hmm. is Eli. Oh, the priest. Yes. Mm. Listen to this. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Mm. Vision was not spread about. That's huge to hear those words, to Mm. understand that verse. That, well, I'll get into it. Eli was the first priest who carried the dual road, road, the dual role of judge and high priest in Israel. Mm. So he had that dual position. Mm -hmm. He belonged to the tribe of Eli. He became the tribe a, of who? E, Levi. Did I say Eli? You said Eli. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that tribe. Was that the thirteenth tribe, tribe of Israel? The tribe of Israel. He would Eli. belong to the tribe of Levi. Levi. Okay. He became a judge at the age of fifty-eight. He held this office for forty years until his death at the age of ninety-eight. From what we know about Eli, he was a pretty good priest. But to have your legacy represented by the words. The word of the Lord was rare in those days is not particularly impressive. It would seem that Eli was a man of principle, but not a man who sought after God. He was a man who knew his job as priest and lived and worked out of his training. He knew the law and made judgments accurately and swiftly. This is this is profoundly demonstrated when he mistakenly accused Hannah's silent prayer with the question of, how long will you go on at drunk? That's what he said to her. Yeah. Mm. Instead of performing Go his, on drunk, not yeah, on, on a drunk. Oh, <laughs> either way. <laughs> okay. That's sustained. How <laughs> long is, will you go on drunk? This is the Middle East, okay. Yes. Okay. That was Sam, 1 Samuel one fourteen. Mm-hmm. Instead of performing his role as high priest, a position of interceding on behalf of God's people... He made a judgment based on what he perceived and as and is usually consistent with men who are under the letter of the law. Mm. Are you tracking with me? Mm-hmm. He assigned sin to a perception based on behavior. Mm-hmm. It would seem that as a man of God, he lacked trust or confidence of Hannah to seek out and to intercede for her in a time of mental... Um, physical and spiritual distress. He was operating under the law, mm-hmm. not under the trusting of what God mm-hmm. was doing in his By, life. Because normally he would have gone and say, what's wrong? How can I talk to me? What's going, what, how can I help you? But and he, instead he was like, you're drunk, get out of here. Yes, basically. that's exactly right. Okay. Tragically, The world we currently live in is littered with men of great principle, men who spend their lives studying scripture, and the results are the word of the Lord is rare in these days. Mm. Apart from the person of Jesus, there is no hope, only rules laid out by men of principle with an emphasis on the power of sin. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> the power of sin, huh? That is the church yeah. we go to now. It's men of principle, men of learning, men who study Hebrew, men who study Greek, men who studied scriptures for the whole lives. And what did Jesus say to those men? You study scripture and you miss me. Mm-hmm. And they focus on the power of sin. But then, the truth is what? We're dead to sin. We are dead to mm-hmm. sin. Sin is resolved. Mm-hmm. And then we read in 1 Samuel 12 too, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. <laughs> they did not know the Lord. Mm. And that asks the question, what was he teaching these boys? Eli's natural sons were grown men and acting in position of priests. Thus, The sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. For the men despised the offering of the Lord because they would just go in and steal meat that was offered to God. They were men who rejected the principles of their father and had no moral compass. Left to their own devices with no understanding of the character of God, we naturally despise the offering of the Lord. Based on the prophecy of an unknown prophet in 1 Samuel 2, 27 and 2, 36, the vision of the Lord spoke to Samuel that Eli, his sons, and their entire households were living in their last days. Was Eli a passive man? I think the answer is yes. But was it passivity that dis- was it but was it a passivity disguised with principles? A mm. passivity wrapped in the Satan fabric of legalism. Satin. Satin fabric of Not legalism. Satan fabric. Uh, it looks like Satan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wrapped in the satin, satin. fabric of legalism mm. and the passive facade of well-crafted belief system that teach fear and condemnation. Mm. All of which mm. protects its hearers from the knowledge of truth. Passivity that has closed the eyes of some of our modern churches led by pastors with the same cemented principles as the judge and high priest Eli and lead us to despise the offering of the Lord, the person of Christ. Mm. That is a tragedy mm-hmm. in our modern times. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Men that I know who are pastors of church are more interested in church history than they are in the relationship we have with the Father. They're more interested in learning Scripture than they are in hearing Holy Spirit. They are men, I, I know men who have said we no longer need Holy Spirit because we have the Bible. And that's bibliolatry. You cannot understand who you are in Christ and worship the Bible. The Bible's vital. The Bible's important. The Bible is inspired by God, but it is given to us to understand our need for Christ. And it shows us bits of the character of God. Yes, it does. Read your Bible, Mm -hmm. but read it with the eyes of a person who wants to know who they are. Mm -hmm. Because that's what these men intended for us to know. That's what Holy Spirit inspired these men to teach, especially Paul. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to my favorite. Oh, man. There's another one? There's one more. Who's your favorite? Timothy. Oh, uh, little Timmy. Yeah. <sighs> when a boy, Timothy was raised by his mother and grandmother. It is usually a recipe for passivity in men. Mm. Depending on the character of the women, Timothy was a man raised by his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. In 2 Timothy 1.5, we read Paul considered them both godly women. Some of the commentaries I've read about this man, Timothy, referred to him as timid. It seemed appropriate for me to examine Timothy's life, what we know of it, for the evidence of passivity. As 16.1, Acts 16.1 tells us Timothy was the son of a Jewish mother and a Greek father. Mm-hmm. By today's standards, that would seem, that would not be unusual. However, at that time, it would have been scandalous for a Jewish girl to marry a Greek man who was seen as a pagan. Eunice and her son and anyone who would have socialized with them would have been ostracized by the Jewish community. Community. We are also told in 1 Timothy 5.23 that Timothy had health problems and it would be a stretch to assume and it wouldn't be a stretch to assume he had been in poor health his whole life. I suspect I suspect he could have been a bit of a mama's boy as well. Mm. I would like to speculate that maybe God used these health issues and the closeness to his mother and grandmother to D- Timothy's benefit as it allowed him more time to study scripture and to become more involved in the local church in Lystra. There are two things in this story that lead me to conclude that Timothy's father had died. One is that he was being disciplined by the discipled by the men of the church and was not uh, and was not apprenticing in his father's business, which would have been which would he have been expected to do. The second speculation is something like the death of Timothy's father could have resulted in the reconciliation between Lois and uh, Munis. The mother and daughter relationship would have been broken because the marriage of Eunice to a pagan. The Jewish law would have not tolerated in any other arrangement. Although it's not documented in the book of Acts, I think it would be safe to a safe assumption that Eunice, Lois, and Timothy received Christ during Paul's first missionary trip to Lystra, at which time Timothy would have probably been about in his early teens or mid-teens. The question I want to answer, is there a difference between timidity and passivity? What do you think? I'm guessing yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going out on a limb and saying yes. Um, a boy spends his young life in a time capsule being shaped by dominant influences. And those influences can be good or not so good, mm. which causes some boys to become passive. Um, Timothy's was, Timothy was one of these boys who felt something bigger than himself. I think he knew God had more for, had more than what his life was producing. He lived for a plan not of his own making. I think Timothy was a, t- a listener and teachable. He knew the Father's voice and believed the unapprovable and the unordinary. Unprovable or unapprovable? Unapprovable. Oh. What well, is unprovable? It's unprovable. Unprovable. Mm-hmm. 
and unordinary. Mm. A strong indicator of passivity is the lack of balance in what motivates us as we address behavioral issues and face difficult decisions in our lives. The passive men go to is what can the world do for me to help me fulfill my dream? Pursuing, listening, hearing, knowing the voice, trusting the truth, believing the truth, and acting when the call is presented is how Timothy responded. Was he timid? Was he scared? Did he wonder, why me? Did he think, am I old enough for these responsibilities? Yes, I'm sure he experienced all of this, yet he followed anyway. Because the man Paul, who believed God had a bigger plan, saw Timothy as a part of God's design and then called him. Yes, there is a difference between passivity and timidity, and Timothy was not passive. Knew that. I knew you did. Wow. I love that story. Mm-hmm. I love thinking about that story. Mm-hmm. And I love, and I've, I've written a whole backstory about this, mm-hmm. about who's. Timothy's father was, and mm-hmm. who's Eunice's... Eunice is the mom. Lois's mother and dad were, and how these families trained these kids. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really mm. important for us to understand cultural differences, especially when it comes to reading scripture. You think? Yes, I Yes, do. me too. Yes. Me too. So, men, mm. when you are told... To wrist passivity. Resist. It, resist. Golly, I'm having trouble today. Uh-huh. My teeth are, or my tongue. One Just of these things are not talking. functioning well. <laughs> Brain. <laughs> mm. Yes. Resisting passivity for a passive man is like wind. Mm. It's noise. Mm. Yes, I want to do the right thing. Yes, I want to stand up. Yes, I want to be the man called God called me to be. I just don't know how. Mm-hmm. Somebody help me. Yeah. And you don't help by accusing. You don't help by pointing out flaws. Yeah. You don't help by creating more shame and more guilt. You help by saying, who does God say you are? Yep. Who, who is it that lives in you? All the time. Those are the questions. And if you can help a man understand his true identity, he can reach freedom from passivity. Passivity is not a flaw of your DNA. Passivity is the result of being trained. And you can be trained out of it. And it's a result of believing lies. Yes. And I would imagine... You know, in in the years of counseling, it seems to me that it's easier for women to ask for help than it is for men. Right. So if you're talking about a man, a man who's also passive, to reach out and ask for help, mm-hmm. sometimes he just needs somebody to talk to. Yes. You know, and and this is counseling is a conversation. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, people come in here scared and they don't know what to expect, and it's it's a conversation, mm-hmm. and. Sometimes, you know, you've talked about men around a campfire or men on a... In a safe uh, place. Yeah, or a men's breakfast or something yeah. like that. When men talk to men, that can be very helpful when you're, be. when you're talking about your identity. So that's not... 
you know, it's just a little step out of your comfort zone. Find brothers you can trust. Mm -hmm. Find brothers you can confide in. And don't be afraid to say, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my cue. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us. Yeah. And if you want more of that, Rick's book is on Amazon.com. Yep. Double sold by Rick Fry. So, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> So we will talk to you next week, and uh, we'll have a surprise of what we're going to talk about. (laughs) Will it be a surprise to us? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay, then. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.